Hello and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. We've got a super packed show for you today. It's a double review episode. We are going to be reviewing Spike Lee's new movie, The Five Bloods, and Judd Apatow's latest, The King of Staten Island. We will, of course, get you all caught up in what's poppin', and we will wrap up the show with our schoolyard picks of things we could be declared the king of. Let's do it. For joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast with your co-host Kirk. What's up? <laughs> wow, <laughs> wow. So that—that's how we're gonna—that's that—that's the note you want to start this episode on, Kirk. Really, that's the only note we can start on oh, from gosh. this journey we're about to go on. Alrighty then. I am your <laughs> other co-host, Cam. And say it. wow, say it. no, I'm not gonna say, say it. it. I'm not gonna say it. I absolutely will not. So. Anyway, it's been two weeks. You can tell because Kirk's like all excited and fired up and doing weird things. <laughs> so it's been two weeks since our last episode. Man, am I glad to be back. We didn't even do a live stream last week. We just took a week off, kind of. We just kicked it. But we, you and I, we both know that it was far from a week off because we were blogging. We were watching movies. The 52-week movie challenge is in full swing. Mm-hmm. Um this week's movie, so week two just happened. Um, that that blog post dropped on Monday, uh, which was a day late. But I said in my blog, I was like, it's like the second day of workout. That's right. It's like you start your New Year's resolution, you're like, I'm going to work out. Day one, you're like, oh, man, that wasn't that bad. Crushing it. Day two, alarm goes off, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> I have made an enormous mistake. Because you're sore. You're like, you're, Day one, you feel so inspired. And yeah. day two, you're like, oh, I can't move. Yeah. And you're like popping all the ibuprofen. So. You're like, wait, how long do I have to do this? The rest of my life? <laughs> right? That's, that's what this movie challenge feels like in some way. Because it's 52 weeks. I mean, it's a commitment. Yeah. And we already are watching so many things yeah. for fun and right. for this every episode. And this episode has two, and now you're adding a third, fourth, fifth. Oh, yeah, 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 right, exactly. This was a gauntlet week because I had to get caught up on Homecoming, which I'm almost finished with. I had to get, had to watch Casablanca for the 52-week movie challenge. Um, I wrote a blog about Watchmen, so I was mm-hmm. watching a couple episodes of that just to get you know, my bearings since it's been a couple months since I've watched it. Then we watched The Five Bloods. We watched The King of Staten Island. I mean, it's really piling up. Um, I have but a confession. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. I wanted to watch these movies with you uh, on, you know, at, at my house. But yeah, yeah. Um, I have not watched them yet. I have not watched Cuckoo Nest and I have not watched Casablanca. It's okay. And I need to because I read your blog and they're beautiful. Oh, thank you. And I, I need to w- endure this with you and celebrate this with you, I feel like. Sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate you standing with me on that. But I do. The good news is we're only two weeks in. Right. So, I mean, if we were like 14 weeks in, you're like, I haven't watched any of them. I'd be like, you're going to have a rough couple of weeks getting caught up. Um, but, you know, people who are listening and they're like, I kind of want to do that, but I don't give a crap about Casablanca. Who cares? Just jump in wherever you feel it. Right. Week three is Rocky. Rocky. Which I am so stoked about. Um, I vaguely remember. So, I've, I've watched Rocky. You know, it's one of those movies that 
you've like seen a bunch of times, but you also have like never seen it. Like that's how it feels for me. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. been on a lot. It's it replays on TBS. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or yeah. like yeah, so you you have it on at the house, or I don't know. Um, my grandma, whenever I used to like go to my grandma's house, whenever I was sick or something like that. There was, like, always a Sylvester Stallone marathon on. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I was, like, Turner Classic Movies or something like that. And so it was always, like, Rocky and Rambo and, like, all kinds of stuff. Um, and so I remember it from that. So I feel like all of the Rocky movies are just, like, blended in a blender in my brain. So it will be nice to kind of, like, get my bearings back there. Yeah, I want to get on the Rocky train hard because I want to see Creed. Creed, yeah. And Creed 2, but I feel like I can't start there because there's so much story That's how I that. felt. That's how I felt. When Creed came out, I was like, oh, that looks great. And it's obviously got Michael B., who's you know one of our faves. Mm-hmm. And Sylvester won a Golden Globe for he it. He did, yeah. He won Best he Actor. Like, bravo. Yeah, and so it's it's one of those things where I was like, oh, well, I'll 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 do that whenever I swing around and watch the Rocky movies, and it just sat on my to-do list and never got done, because it's like, oh, I could do that whenever. Um, so yeah, so now there's Creed, there's Creed 2, and so now it's like I've got this huge series of movies that I have to watch. So uh, we'll start slow. We'll start with Rocky. We'll blog about it. It's been a lot of fun so far. I really enjoy it. Loved Casablanca. Mm-hmm. I have nothing but incredible things to say about that movie. I thought, well, you know, you go back and you watch these old movies. It's hit or miss. Mm-hmm. sometimes you're like oh i could see why that would be cool then and then now it's like trash right. um but like you know citizen kane was incredible still and Casablanca's right there i mean it's still still so so good um, it's so impressive when uh, an actual timeless movie takes place because yeah exactly really the stars have to align no one can just write it it just happens yeah there's an element there's an element of luck to yes. it you know it's 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 pretty cool so that's been fun. Obviously, we're doing double review this week. We got a Spike Lee joint, um, The Five Bloods, which is extremely exciting. This is a movie that was like one of those that you're like, wait, Spike Lee's already got another movie out? He just did Black Klansman, and it was incredible. Yeah. And so this sneaks up on you, and it's on Netflix. Like, that was the best news ever. Right. And then you get um, The King of Staten Island, which of course was going to get this. It was going to get a theatrical release. Extenuating circumstances, it got pulled back. Now it's on VOD, nineteen ninety nine rent, which is pretty steep, but you know it's like going to the theater. This is the equivalent of going to the theater, so just right. That's that's the expense. Add it up, add it up. So tickets are sometimes ten fifty, ten seventy five, twelve dollars if you're on the weekend, yep. seven p.m. You get you you get those if you buy dinner while you're there. If you buy popcorn, a soda, snacks, you're you're up to fifty. It's a thousand dollars. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean it's just that's it's so thousand dollars, twenty dollars, twenty dollars. I mean, come on. It's a great, it's a great trade off. Yeah, and you can eat whatever snacks you want. You can, you can have foreign snacks. That's right. You know? um, or if you're somebody who knows somebody with a really big purse, um, or you are somebody with a really big purse, you already were doing that. So. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So very excited about those movie reviews. Very excited about our schoolyard pick, which is the schoolyard. This is a mouthful. I'm gonna try to make sure I don't <laughs> screw it up. Schoolyard pick of things you could be declared the king of. Yes. So this could be things like. You, pro- you like you proclaim that you are the king of yes. like I think I am elite caliber in this thing. Mm-hmm. I am the king of that or things that you think somebody would declare you the king of. Right. So probably for anybody who's married, like think about things like your spouse would declare you the king <laughs> and or queen of. Yes. So I, that's going to be fun. I have a really obscure and strange list. So I, I assume it's going to be a pretty fun time. 
I hope mine's uh, not too crazy. Um, you can make fun no, of me. No, there's you, no such thing. To. No, okay. this is sort of like, I feel like this is no holds barred. Yeah, and as far as like schoolyard picks go, I mm-hmm. feel like there's, you know, some of them it's like whenever we do like big, whenever we did um, big cats, Yeah. it was like you, you could take some creative liberties with that if you wanted to. Like you could do like Sylvester. I mean, he's not a big cat, but let me think of like, um, who's that? What's the pink one? Snagglepuss? Snagglepuss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could do him. But we didn't because we wanted to keep it in the realm of possibility. This one, there right. are no there are no boundaries. You can really say whatever you want. It's gonna get real. It's gonna get real for sure. Um, all right, we've like I said, double episode. We gotta go. I mean, we got we got things to do. Let's move. All right. So we're gonna jump right into what's popping. Pop it up. All right. Yeah, that was. I don't even know. I tried to do a double pop, like one finger in each cheek, and it just did you think that people did you think that the people who are listening would be able to discern that it was a double pop (laughs) if you if you had been able to pull it off? I thought it would be a super pop. Yeah, let me try again. (laughs) No, it's it's actually weaker. It's it's terrible. It's it's, um, subtraction by addition is single pop there. That's all I'm doing. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's bad. Now my mouth is broken. Yeah, now you're bleeding. Now you look like the Joker over there. <laughs> <laughs> Want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> oh man, dude, have you ever seen? Have you ever seen the "I'm the Joker baby" yeah. video? <laughs> I'm the Joker baby. <laughs> it's the worst. It's the cringiest thing in the history of the world. Yes, we'll have to share that one. Out there's a it's... there's a subreddit that's called cringe, and it's just cringy videos <laughs> like that or like pictures and stuff. And that was on there. I think that's where it started is like somebody shared it on there and oh, it's brutal. I do love like cringe TikToks that creep onto Facebook. Though. Oh, I know. I got to watch them every it's, time. <laughs> I would say that. Um, so I'm on TikTok. I'm one of the weirdos who's like, I just go on there and like stuff so that I can watch videos. It's the same way I treated Vine. It's exactly how I interacted with Vine. <laughs> I had a Vine account, never once created a Vine, not even one time. And I just watched them and liked them and stored them for future reference. That's exactly what I've done with TikTok. Yeah. I would say that like 30% of my TikToks are cringe, like hard cringe. Mm-hmm. 50% are are funny and then 20% are like cool. Like, like something something wild or cool. Like yeah. a little kid playing the drum set or uh, something like that. You know nice. what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, um that was quite a tangent, but <laughs> back to what's popping. Back to what's popping. Um as you can probably guess, some COVID-related news. Ready? I know, Kirk. I, I know you're getting tired of uh, not having COVID-related news, so here we are. Um, so Warner Brothers finally got around to reshuffling the chairs in its release order because we knew Tenet was coming out July 17th. I mean, I thought that was going to stick, but just based on the way that Chris Nolan was talking about it, uh, Wonder Woman was coming out. It was like, we, we got to have some answers here soon. Mm-hmm. Um, Tenet got pushed back two weeks to July 31st. <sighs> Fine. There are rumors that Warner Brothers... Is, so there are rumors that Warner Brothers has no interest in this movie releasing in July, but that Chris Nolan is like adamant mm-hmm. that it has to release this month. As like the marker. Uh, and it's it's a good point to be moving it to the very end, the very last day. He's like, July. I want people to remember July 2020, we came back to life. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's fair, and I think it's admirable and all that. But I, I think, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see how history remembers this time. But if you think about film, we remember things based on how much money they made. We talk about it all the time. Yes. Oh, this was the highest grossing film of that year. Or this is the highest grossing drama of all you know we talk about movies in that way 
And Tenet is one of those movies that has blockbuster potential. It has the ability to make over a billion dollars. I don't see that happening with social distancing and restrictions back. You know, I could see it happening in a weird way (laughs) uh, because in my mind, that's going to be the only new movie. Right. So literally they'll play it in every theater. Right. They'd almost have to. And then, but then how do you like siphon people into the building and out of the building and into the bathrooms? Like what's your, yeah, I know they're staggering. They're staggering show times. I know that they're, um, so, I mean, reading, so Marcus sent out an, an email recently about their policies, how you're going to have to order your tickets through their app. Yep. Check. Order your concessions through their app. That's fantastic. And then you pick them up at the concession. They call you up like whenever it's time. That way there's not multiple people up there. And then there are different doors that you use to like get in and out. That's an incredible way to get concessions rather yeah. than wait 20 minutes in line. Yeah, I, I love that. Can I that agree. stay after we all it get should. vaccinated? It should. I mean, that would be pretty cool. I mean, you, you see, like, in the sports industry, they've gone to mobile ticketing mm-hmm. where, like, you have you can't have a physical ticket. Like, you have to have it on your phone. Um, so, I mean, if, if enough theaters just did it, <laughs> you know, like, hey, we're not going to do – you can't walk up to the concession stand because we don't want big, giant lines or people gathering. Right. They could do that. I love that so much. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they facilitate it from a tech standpoint. I hope they do well. I know I know they're eager to get open, and I hope that everything goes okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's I, I just don't see how Tenant's going to make a billion. Um, I hope they do. I, I wish them the best. But Yeah, and the question is, are you pushing for July for the historic, like, this? Ha- we have to do this uh, to, like, um, build momentum, build yeah, morale? Yeah, sure. Or... Are, or should we be more mindful of, are we being safe, you know? Yeah, I know. That, that's that's definitely... That's hard. It, it is hard. This whole situation makes it so hard. Um, other release dates Warner Brothers came out with, Wonder Woman 1984 was originally supposed to come out 4th of July weekend. It's been postponed till October 2nd. Um, so October and November becoming really big movie months now. That's where basically... All of your summer blockbusters have fallen into one of those two months now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom and Jerry, which I didn't even know this was a Wait, thing. What? Yeah, they're making an animated Tom and Jerry movie, March 5th, 2021. Wow. Um, Godzilla versus Kong is now May 21st, 2021. That was supposed to come out later this year. Happy birthday. Yep, that's my birthday. And then The Matrix for April 1st, 2022. Oh. Um and you know what? Screw them for that because there I was Keanu Day was going to be my birthday. Yes. It was Keanu Day was supposed to be on my birthday. Um, I had the whole thing planned. I mean, I was like, duh, this is a no brainer. I'll tell you exactly what I'm going to do on my birthday. <laughs> I'm going to go to the nearest movie house. I'm going to buy a ticket for The Matrix 4, watch it, walk right back out to the ticketing <laughs> stand, buy a ticket for John Wick 4, watch it, and then I'm going to go home and be the happiest person on the planet. What a birthday that would have been. It would have been the best. I was like so happy about it. And then they're like, no, no, they were taking that away from me. Well, really, COVID took it away from me. So screw you, COVID. I would have been there right with you. And think of all the savings you have on your refillable popcorn for two minutes. I know, I know, man. It's, it's, I can't, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to start crying here soon. I can't even hardly talk about it. We'll start a campaign to get, get that move back. I mean, come on. At least, at the very least, move it to May 21st, 2020. One or 2022, yeah, yeah, move it to the same date, right? Church, I deserve that at least. <laughs> at, do something for me, at least, Warner Brothers, for once. <laughs> 
Um, okay, more COVID-related news. The Oscars have been pushed back um, two months to April 25th. Um, the the window for films being eligible has been stretched to February of next year. And uh, I think the nominations come out March 15th or something like that. The shortlist is announced in, in mid-February. Mm-hmm. Um, so the word is that, you know, Oscar season and festival season sort of go hand in hand. They sort of plan their festivals around this, at least with the Cannes Film Festival and some of the other large ones that are scheduled. Um, that there's not an expectation that any of those will be delayed. A lot of those have already announced their roster. They've already announced their films. They've you know they've got the whole thing ready to rock. So um, that's the plan. April April twenty fifth, twenty twenty one will be the Oscars, and uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's a good move. It's going to be strange. It's going to be a weird year for film just in terms of how many movies that would have been award eligible this year got postponed. I mean, right. you look at even this movie that we watched this week, The King of Staten Island, almost got postponed because they didn't know what they were going to do with the theater thing. And then the, you know, the digital renting situation mm-hmm. gave them an option to, to get it released. So Right, right. And the Oscars is accepting films that released straight to digital this year. They say that it's just for this year. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I think you have to because if you didn't... Yeah, then there would be no movies coming out and your industry takes a massive, massive hit. Yeah, so many production companies would close because they, they spent all this money to pay the actors, yeah, to millions, pay the crew, billions, yeah. everything. And so then they have to recoup that. So I yeah. think video, video on demand has to be accepted. Yeah, it's the right move for sure. Um, okay, so flipping over to the other side of the coin, the good side. Good. Tails, I would say. Because <laughs> Tails never fails. <laughs> um, we have some actual movie news that's not related to COVID. These are about new films. So here's an interesting one for you. From director Ben Stiller, a thriller called London. That's all it's called. One word. London. Starring Oscar Isaac. What? That's right. That's right. So Ben Stiller, I think people probably don't realize this. He's he's directed some films. He directed yeah. Zoolander. He directed Reality Bites. He directed Tropic Thunder. He directed The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, which was not good. Um, <laughs> Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's my two-second review of The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Not good. You can quote me on that. Um, so he's he's directed some films. Never directed anything that I would consider to be in the thriller category or even really close um, thoughts, initial reactions to this. I'm baffled, (laughs) just baffled. Yeah. It's an odd pairing. I mean, in general, I think Oscar Isaac definitely has what it takes to be in thrillers. He was in ex machina. He was excellent in that. Mm -hmm. He was in um, a most violent year. Um, Uh, Annihilation. Annihilation. Um, So he's been, he's, he's got the chops for it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he can definitely do that. He could do anything. Um, the, it just is very strange. It's a very strange pairing for Ben Stiller. You know, Ben Stiller got divorced from, uh, what's her, what's her name? Oh gosh, I love her. Uh, Christina something. And maybe that's why maybe his life has taken a dark turn where he's like, okay, I no can more get into comedies. the thriller. Yeah. Yeah. Life's not funny. Life is dark. Yes. And this is where it's going to take us. <laughs> London. I don't know. I think it's hard, you know, so he's, he's been a comedy actor for forever. Yes. And a pretty dang good one. I mean, he, he's done a lot of great things. 
And so I think the natural transition, you know, if you're, if you're trying to get in with film studios as a director, they're going to be able to sell you as a director of a comedy film way easier than anything else. So I think like some of those earlier projects, it makes sense. It's the easier transition. Now he's probably like, Hey, I want to be a serious director. I want to, I want to move on to broader horizons. This seems like a legitimate shot. Mm -hmm. You got a thriller with an ambiguous title that people (laughs) might be interested in. And then you got Oscar Isaac, who's a huge star. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Don't know that it'll be good, but it will be interesting. No clue. Okay, next one. This is one that really caught my eye um, because it was one of these things where it's like, how is this not already a thing? Um, So Warner is making a biopic about tennis legend Arthur Ashe, who was um, an African-American tennis player during the civil rights movement. He was um, a really, really active civil rights uh, advocate and activist. He was very outspoken. you know, during that era. And so it's going to be really interesting. I think if you watch what's going on with sports right now, and I don't know how, how close, how closely you're following it, but the NBA is trying to come back. The NBA that is a largely, you know, a a league that is mostly people of color, whether they be African American or from Africa or what have you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they, they want to come back and play basketball, but there, there, there are players who have concerns about, is this the right time for basketball? We should be raising awareness. Can we effectively raise awareness through sports? And I think my take is usually like sports are a great platform to raise awareness. Sports, mm-hmm. sports are the way to get at, you know, some of the most racist groups of people and say, yeah, you like me on the court, but you don't like my politics. I'm going to make you, I'm going to force you to see my politics. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's what Arthur Ashe was all about. He was an indisputably excellent tennis player. Um, and yeah. so I, I think that's a really interesting thing. I, I, I've felt during all of this that sports should come back really soon because I think that African-American athletes have a chance to make a huge impact in changing people's opinions and, and like opening people's hearts and things like that. So it's interesting and it's a good time for it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like we've seen like every single, like at first you told me this off air and you said there's a new tennis movie coming out. I'm like, okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, who cares? We've seen all of the different tennis movie iterations, but honestly we have not seen one with, uh, with, a, with a black, um, uh, performer. We have with a black performer. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> athlete, athlete. athlete. Yeah. Cause it's a white dominated sport. It is because it's a, I mean, I mean it's one where, in this country, it's for the affluent, and that's yeah. that's been you know it's been a hard sport for African American people to break into because they don't have the opportunities, by and large, in this country to do so. Yeah, I, I know nothing about most sports. Uh, I I googled him real quick. He won three Grand Slam singles titles. That's probably means something to you. Yeah, Grand Slams are like the big titles. So like yeah. the U.S. Open, the the Australian Open, which probably didn't exist whenever he was playing Wimbledon, and then the French Open. Those are the Grand Slam oh, titles. Yeah. Here it is. Wimbledon, uh, U.S. Open, and the Australian Open. Oh, the Australian Open was a thing. Okay. Bravo, dude. He looks super cool in his Wikipedia picture, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> they have an Arthur Ashe um, Stadium at the U.S. Open in New York. Wow. So he's he's a big deal. Yeah. Well, this sounds cool. Do we, so no casting news yet, right? Um, no, but uh, Kevin Wilmot, who wrote for, who was one of the writers for the De five bloods and black Klansmen, actually academy award-winning writer for black Klansmen, um, is adapting the screenplay. Well, so easy to say that's going to be really good. <laughs> I think it'll be very good. I'm, I'm very excited about it. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I want to. I want a different. I, I love tennis. Like it's a weird. It's a weird thing. Like I. I never have played tennis. I mean, I've tried. I'm not good at it. But I've always really liked watching the sport, and like Arthur Ashe is a name that you hear all the time. But I don't think to people. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm younger, so I didn't like grow up when Arthur Ashe was playing. But I feel like most people walking down the street don't know who Arthur Ashe is, and I think he was a huge figure. So it'll be it'll be cool to kind of bring that to light. Absolutely. All right, we've got double reviews. We got to dive into it. Let's get going. Let's do it. First film we're going to review is Five Bloods. This is directed by Spike Lee. And Kirk, you have the honor of synopsing this one for us. Ooh, this one is, it's tough to synopse. Um, so much happens in this that I don't want to give anything away. Basically, it's kind of like like a rescue heist mission. Um, we have these, these four or five um, African-American vets. They are... They're Vietnam vets. They, they they fought together. They were in the same battalion. Again. Infantry division? I don't Thank know. You. <laughs> I, I literally, they, they say regiment, battalion, infantry division. I'm like, are those the same thing? I'm not a military person. Me neither. Yeah. I need to be. Yeah. Not need to be, but I need to, I need to get the information, yeah. right? So they are... They are basically blood brothers. They they had each other's backs during this horrific war. Um, they came out of it, and they're going back to get a something they left behind, um, which is um, some treasure. That's right. That they found some and gold. some gold. There's gold in them hills, and uh, one of their fallen brothers that died over in Vietnam that they yep. that they couldn't recover at the time because I'm assuming they had to flee and get out of there yeah. you know, at the time that that this particular. Um, brother uh, fell. They're like the band of brothers, if you will. So yeah, that's that's the five buds without yeah. giving anything away. <laughs> it's interesting. I've I didn't know, you know, I I'd, I'd seen other movies that kind of focused on like, let's go get you know, let's go reclaim one of our fallen soldiers, and you hear about like the tomb of the unknown soldier and stuff like that. Like it's so interesting that the U.S. government will like help bring these guys home. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's great. It's admirable. I think, you know, for the families that lose people, it's like that closure, you know, it's something that you can't quantify and something that you need. Yeah. I, I, it's horrifying to think that, and maybe we probably have someone, uh, I know there's military in our, in our yeah, family yeah. ancestry, but to think that one of my ancestors, uh, died in a different country and they're buried on a hillside somewhere. Right. Um, Just or maybe like in the dirt, yeah. Yeah, or maybe we don't know where they are. Um, uh-huh. So that's like crazy. So how, yeah, that closure. If that was like your brother or your sister or something, you would be horrified. Yeah. And you just would never know. I mean, it's just, it's bad. To, to get their body and bring them to a final resting place of your choice, of the family's choice, is yeah. really, yeah, big time closure. So big, yeah, it's, lots of stuff happening here. It's, it's definitely heavy, um, but it's, it's cool. It's admirable. So let's dive in. Let's go with superlatives and the Oscar goes to, oh, I should probably say we have to be a little bit cloak and dagger with this thing just because a lot of what happens in this movie, if we were to discuss it openly would spoil the movie and we're not going to do that. We never do that. Um, so if you're if you've seen the movie and you're like, man, I wish they would go a little bit deeper. Just know that we're doing that to protect people who haven't seen the movie. Right. So we have to be a little bit guarded in what we say. Yeah, and it's not like a parasite film twist or anything. It's, sure. Yeah. It's just um, what unfolds. Yep. In exactly. 
All right, going so first? it's you. Oh, and the too. Oscar goes to who you got? I got Mr. Delroy Lindo. Mr. Delroy Lindo. This is a guy that I've seen in like a dozen different films, and I've loved him every time. And I've always wondered why isn't he the leading man in more films? He's, right. He's been. He oftentimes he plays a cop or a detective. He's he was in Gone in sixty seconds, Ransom, Malcolm X, Get Shorty, Clockers, which is another Spike Lee joint. There just needs to be more of him in films. Uh, yeah, his range and believability uh, when I was watching him was so uh, in tune with every step of the story. Like there was never a moment where it didn't. It, it, it there was no clashing at all. He is just such. He has such a powerful screen presence that I could yes. watch him all day long. Yeah, it's insane how he owned this thing. I mean, he owned it. Yeah. It doesn't take you, I would say like for the first, man, nearly the first hour, you, you don't really know where this is going from a character dev standpoint. You have little nuggets, but everybody's getting pretty much equal screen time and yes. you don't really know, but you can still just feel like your attention is drawn to Paul the whole time. Your attention mm-hmm. is drawn to Paul. Paul's a very interesting character. You're like, man, this guy's... What's going on here? And then in the second half, I mean, he just takes over the film in such a substantial way. It's really impressive. It's why I'm giving my Oscar to Delroy Lindo, too. And I think, hot take, I mean, I know it's early in the year. I think this guy's going to get nominated. I don't don't know. I, I don't know how there could be five other actors this year who outdo this performance. Yeah. He is on, it's... It's pretty ridiculous the level that he's on in this movie. He's playing like a very Shakespearean like character. Yes. And um doing so, there is a stretch in this movie where he is monologuing to the camera with the camera like three inches from his face for like ten minutes and mm-hmm. it blows your mind and he's so good throughout and there's no detail missed, there's no drops, there's no cuts, there's nothing. It's just like it's just him working. And yeah. he's just killing it. And that's one of the coolest things about Spike Lee's films. If you've seen his other things, there are times when he gets like super, super meta and super artistic where he's all of a sudden, you know, the, the actor is talking directly to the camera. So I yes. love how you said Shakespearean because in those moments, you can't just have straight dialogue. It has to be, it has to have a different tone. Yep. And usually every time it does. And Delroy Lindo, I, I'm so fascinated more and more um He's a familiar face. You'll recognize him the moment you see him, but I'm so fascinated with what his training for acting might have been. Yeah. Uh, so I loved it. Yeah, I mean, you you feel... It's it's odd, but you feel the need to like stand up and applaud for this performance by the end of it. Yes. Because it's not only incredible, but it's also epic. Yes. And it's also... It just it stirs you in, your, in the deepest part of you uh-huh. to feel. And so you're like, man, give it up for Delroy. I mean, he killed it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that, that had to be my pick. All right, let's move on to Scene Stealer. Who you got? Scene Stealer. This is a also an uh, an up and coming actor. I haven't. I don't think I've seen him in anything else, though. I know he's been in a hundred other things already, um, and already slated for the future. So this is going to go to Jonathan Majors. Uh, he actually plays Delroy Lindo's son in the film. I believe he was also in The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Yeah, I believe so. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I haven't seen yet. I need to. It's on my watch list. It's hanging there. I need to grab it and watch it. But 
this kid is here to play. I mean, he comes in, uh, like you said, there's there's lots of scre- uh, screen time being shared across the board. We have all of these different characters that we get thrown into and we're trying to keep track of them. Like we seriously get like 12 characters in the first 10 minutes that you're like, okay, okay. Well, just strap in. You're going to learn all about all of them. And with Jonathan Major's character, you really don't think he's going to be play out to be that big uh, of a part of the story. And then he becomes crucial, critical to this story and the relationship with with his father, who's who's a vet and the relationship with these other men who he is vaguely known throughout his life and, and why he's there, why he's going on this trip to Vietnam, this rescue heist mission. Uh, and what he learns and becomes during it. Yep, I'm. I also am Jonathan Major. <laughs> so just gonna say that right there. I mean, I think this was pretty clear cut. It's not to say that the others weren't good. I think everybody in the supporting cast was really good. Um, some really good like hidden gems in the supporting cast too that you don't expect to show up and then they do. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what more I can build on what you said other than. Jonathan Majors is great. His character does take on a transformation in the movie from the beginning to the end. That's it makes his beginning character unrecognizable. Yes, <laughs> you know it's and it's very interesting. And there's one scene in particular that I cannot disclose of um, because it is probably one of the larger spoilers that there would be, um, where it's highly emotional between him and another actor. And he's sweating profusely and crying, and it's just, it's very powerful. Um, yeah, I mean, you say you say you want to see more of uh, Jonathan Majors. I 100% agree, and that's why I'm glad to hear that he's in Lovecraft Country, which is an upcoming HBO series oh, produced great. by, wait for it, J.J. Abrams and, and, and Jordan Peele. Stop. Yeah, dude. What? Yes, I know. Is that insane? Yes. And it's going to be incredible in that, that he's playing a character called Atticus Black. I don't know anything about it other oh. than that it's produced by Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams. And I'm like, yep, sign me up, please. Thank goodness we have HBO. That's Max. right. <laughs> All right. Let's move right along to Showstopper. This one was really simple for me. Um, I'm going to go with the social commentary on on black blacks in America mm. on 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 living as a uh, as an African American as a, as a black man as a black woman um, this this film particularly stresses uh, black men obviously uh, for the for the nature of the story but I used to be pretty hesitant like years ago about um, famous people using their celebrity to uh, discuss politics sure I, I was one of those people where I was like you know just just you know, act act in your films, uh, act in your TV shows, and and let that be that. But then, how could we have all of these films that come out, all of these television shows as well that I see as educational tools uh, for me to learn about so many different things? Yeah, like I don't read. I mean, I can read, but I don't read. <laughs> I watch films, and I love that there's so many based on a true story stuff. So absolutely, uh, th- there's so much with this film that. I I learned from and I'm so thankful for that. So it gave me it gave me more of a reminder as to why I kind of stepped away from that. You know, like yeah. saying stop, stop talking. You know, Leonardo DiCaprio, love him. He's all about the environment, right? So years ago, I just decided. Well, I mean, he's got this. He's got this uh, stand. Go ahead, 
that's great. Yeah, dude, I was I was on a similar thing. It's, it's one of those things. Um, I used to be on the other side of the like stick to sports argument too yeah. with athletes, where I was like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to hear your politics. This is my escape from politics. Like, please just let me have that. And it's <laughs> the same way with actors. But then you realize like. These are the wealthy people in this country. Mm-hmm. Do you want them to, to stick to sports? Do you want them to stick to acting? No, you don't. Otherwise, it's a waste of money. Right. I don't want them just buying yachts. I want them investing in causes. And if it's a cause that I don't fully agree with, hey, at least they're doing something. Right. You know, at least they're not, you know, at least they're not just all talk. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio, the dude's given so much to the environment. I mean, millions, he, millions. his Instagram is full of posts. He's raising awareness. He's giving money. I mean, we see him walk the walk. Mm-hmm. Um, his, yeah, I mean, his that, acceptance speech after yeah. so many nominations was not even about his win. No. It was about the environment. Like, okay, bravo. Yeah, bravo raise awareness. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm for it. I agree. I, I think it's one of those things that you just kind of like you grow and you you learn it, you know. And I love there was a quote in here, and I, I believe that Paul says it. They're referring to their their fallen hero who uh, endearingly goes by Storm and Norman. Yep. Um, and the quote that is written in this film, it he talking about him, they say, he was our Malcolm and our Martin. Mm-hmm. And dude, that just like shred me. <laughs> and so I, I loved, I loved just, you know, tying back to the social commentary of, of what's going on in this film through what they, uh, what these men endured through the Vietnam war and what's going on right now. Like, yeah, how it's timely, right? So crazy yeah. that this came out now, yep. you know? So yep. it's, it's a good call out. Um, my, <laughs> my showstopper is going to feel really shallow next to that, but that's okay. I'm, I'm okay with it. It's film analysis. We'll roll with the punches. Um, mine's the war cutscenes. Yeah. Um, cause this is something I haven't seen Spike do. Um, I, now granted I haven't seen his full filmography, so maybe, maybe he has, but, um, really, really excellent work with the cinematography, the direction, um, the choreography, the effects. I mean, he's he's clearly um, paying pretty open homage to movies like Apocalypse Now, um, other great films about the Vietnam War, um, other great films about World War II. I mean, you see it all on full display here. Uh, Spike Lee is what you would call in sports a student of the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he just really watches and learns and 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 adapts and makes it his own, and that was really cool. And so to see him in kind of a new element, kind of. Showing like, okay, so here's what I know about war films was really slick. And um, the aspect ratio change that they had where it goes to how a lot of those old Vietnam, um, the actual footage that you see from Vietnam was shot, mm-hmm. uh, was really effective. And I, and I loved it. And, and as a flashback tool, it was a great way to give you your bearings on where you were at. So I thought that was really, really slick. I love it. That's fantastic. All right. Last bit director's shoes and then we will close it out and score to five bloods this was really hard uh because this film was so so clever again i thought of it like a heist movie for for gold that a militia squad is going after um there are two moments in this film that are really just continuity errors for me um and i can't even really talk about it let's let's just say that there are people (laughs) people get tied up and then they're not tied up in the in the following scene, and then they tie them up again. Uh, they make a big deal about tying them up, and then they follow up with that scene with everyone's just walking around. Uh-huh. And then there's a second scene where someone gets hit over the head, and they're like, "What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? It's big. It's a big moment." And then the next moment, it's like as if it didn't happen. Right. So there's two moments of this strange continuity error. And I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait! This whole film is so great, and then those come at you, and it's like, huh?" what? <laughs> so maybe I missed something there. Maybe there was something else that, that slipped through the cracks of my mind, but 
those two moments I would I would find the continuity and bridge that gap there. Yeah, that's that's a good call out. I, I mean, my director's shoes. You talked a little bit about the themes. You talked about the themes as they relate to um, black people in America. I think, man, this is so tough because really, my director's shoes. It's like one of those things where like the weakness is also the strength. Like yeah. the thing that I think is technically wrong with this movie is also what I kind of like about it, which is that like Spike Lee got a little taste of Oscar gold with Black Klansman, it felt like, and he's walking with a little pep in his step now. Like this was a very confident Spike Lee. This yes. was one no holds barred. I mean, he was totally uncaged. He was like, he was undisciplined, but it, and it, in, an, in an artsy, stylish explosion kind of way to the point where it's like, whoa, 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 man, slow down. This is crazy. You're doing so much. You're taking so much on. And so I feel like in the end, you're left with so many themes. You're left with so many different things presented that it's hard to really sift through. What were you trying to say, Spike? Like, I know, I know all the things that you brought up, but what are you trying to say? Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's something that, you know, he did so well with black Klansmen. That movie was designed to expose racist feelings within people and to make them come, you know, to the other side of right. that. And it's really effective. And when they show the scenes of Charlottesville at the end of that movie, you're oh. like, holy crap, this is powerful. And so I think, you know, here I wanted to feel that same thing. And maybe that's too much to ask, but I felt like if he had just reined it in slightly more, it would have been more direct and would have been a little bit more meaningful. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I like, I like the untamed spike. I mean, like, don't, don't tame it too much, but just enough to really make sure you're still putting a sharp point on the end of your movie like that. That's right. All right. Let's get final thoughts and then we'll score to five bloods. What you got? I got this movie is kind of being called an instant classic. Um, it definitely seems that way in the first half of this film, but then kind of deviates from those original intentions. Sure. Uh, it's still it's still fantastic throughout. There's not a moment except for those two that I mentioned that you're not completely captivated by it. Um, what I found fascinating about this is that this film was originally written for a white battalion like a, like oh, four or five white battalion sure. um vietnam vets to go and, and do that carry out this very, very similar mission um but then the script got changed uh someone said hey listen we need to make we need to make uh, the, the troop african-american and then spike lee joined the project so you can definitely tell in within the film that it it wasn't top to bottom written by spike lee but man did he inject everything he could into it and I think that's where maybe some of that distance that each of us have kind of uh, talked about in here. So I'm going to give this film a 9.3 kernels out of 10. Woo, big time. <laughs> Nines. We need a nine sound effect. That's like big time. Yeah. Um, sorry if you could hear me pouring my soda into my drink. I wasn't doing unintentional ASMR there. I was just like, I'm thirsty. So <laughs> that's where we're at. Um, okay. Next me you yeah um yeah final thoughts i mean this is for sure my favorite movie of the year so far i mean granted there's not very stiff competition but this is a truly great film um i liked it a lot i mean i, I love spike lee when he's artsy uh, which he usually is i mean i just think you know this this is really he's he's kind of peaking right now i mean he's really making some great stuff i think this is this is on par with black Klansman, though i would say not quite as good, but it is it is really good. And so for me, it's an 8.8 .8 out of 10, and I really liked it. I expect to see it next April at the Oscars in some way. 
Um, definitely Delroy Lindo. I mean, that guy's getting Come nominated. On. He's got to. Come on. He was so good. So, yeah, 8.8 8, 8. 8 out of 10. Um, I thought it was very, very good. Check it out. Yes, please. All right. Whew. I'm out of breath. We said a lot about that movie, and there's a, there is a ton to digest there. Um, I don't know. I don't know. There, there's... We didn't even get into themes, dude. No. Um, we didn't get into plot, like the main plot of the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot there. A lot going there's on. There's a lot. A lot. All right, now shifting gears in a really different direction. The opposite, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps the exact opposite. It's so funny, we were talking before the show, and you and I both watched these movies back-to-back last night. Yes. Which is such an interesting thing, because A... They're both well over two hours long, yes. which, ouch, that was a tough pill to swallow when I realized that I had procrastinated these two movies until the night before recording night, and it was two and a half hours each. I was like, oh my gosh. Which is funny, because we talked Sunday, and we're like, should we record Monday or Tuesday? And we're like, well, let's do Tuesday so we don't have to watch them. <laughs> yeah, so we don't have to watch them night. both tonight. Oh, uh, stupid. It's, <laughs> it's so typical us. Yes. Um, yeah, so we watched these two back-to-back. They're so, so different. The one is just, like, totally smash-mouth, political-driven, uh, artsy film. The other one's, like, an indie film about a white white guy in Staten Island. I don't know. It's just so, so different. But um, it, you know what? I still feel like I had a clear mind and was ready to give clear thoughts on both films. So That's let's right. dive into... The King of Staten Island. And I get to synopse this film. Please do. <laughs> the floor is yours. Thank you, sir. So The King of Staten Island is directed by Judd Apatow and stars Pete Davidson. And that's important to call out because the movie is semi-autobiographical for Pete Davidson. He helped write the script and it's loosely based on his life. Um, he plays a character called Scott who is actually named after his father, Scott Davidson, who was a firefighter who died during 9-11. Um, Scott, in this movie, also has a father who was a firefighter who died when he was seven years old, and that sort of leaves him with some mental anguish and trauma, as you would imagine. And this movie is really a portrait pick about him kind of trying to find himself. You know, he's he's into drugs, and he doesn't really have a ton of motivation, and he's just... You know, trying to trying to find himself. He's lost and he's got some mental issues. So that's really the the crux of it. Nailed it. There's nothing else. All right. End of episode. Yeah, that's the end (laughs) of it. Thank you. Um, Let's do superlatives. And the Oscar goes to. For me, I'm going with comedian Bill Burr, who played Ray, who is. um, (laughs) Oh man, Ray. (laughs) Ray. So Ray is also a firefighter. And he is um, Scott's mom's new boyfriend. Mm-hmm. After, you know, she hasn't dated anybody since their dad died when he was seven years old. Now he's 24. And she's kind of, you know, her, her daughter's just gone off to college. And she's trying to kind of, like, fill that void in her life. So she's got a new boyfriend. And in comes Bill Burr. He is... Bill Burr is such an interesting case study as an actor. Because at times you see him... And he's not good. Uh-huh. And I think it's just maybe bad direction, maybe bad writing. But this time you see him, and he's a total natural. I mean, he's just totally owning it. And so, I, I mean, we've both been hearing for the last couple of years, like, Bill Burr's going to be a thing. You know, it's just, you hear it, you read about it, he's getting buzz. he's going to start popping up in projects. So I've been kind of waiting for that moment of, like, 
Bill Burr knocks my socks off. I think this was it. Yeah. I mean, this was this was. I don't know that he's going to get nominated, but I think it was an award-winning or an award nomination quality performance. I thought he was very good. I thought he played a very a character who was pretty nuanced mm -hmm. and one that he really just helped. Um, actually, all the characters in this in this movie were multi-dimensional, and he did such a good job of balancing it and giving his character depth. So. I thought he was excellent. Yes. Bill Burr, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. Look both ways. Yeah. <laughs> Look both ways. <laughs> You'll understand that when you see the movie. At one point, his kid is crossing the street, and he goes, Look both ways. Look both ways. And oh, it's goodness. it's like a running joke in the movie, and it's pretty hilarious. Yeah, this, this dramedy really has so much authentic humor because you have some of the funniest people writing this film and then performing in this i'm sure so many things were just ad-libbed and so perfectly injected into the rest of the film so oh my goodness so i've got to go with sorry my kids are um they sound like elephants above us so i don't know if that picked <laughs> up on the microphone <laughs> distracted me um i'm gonna go with mr pete davidson okay let me defend him <laughs> uh pete davidson gets a lot of flack because he in real life he's kind of um perceived as a loser he is yes. perceived as uh, not not really someone who tries. Um, well, that's like he, he's kind of crafted that persona too, though. Correct. Yeah, that's because he he sees he has such self deprecating, um, so literally no self esteem. This guy has uh, really in real life. A lot of that is. Uh -huh. He he just said, "Well, fine. If you think you you think you know who I am, I'll just pretend to be that for you." In this again, another sort of meta way, in sort of like reverse labeling, like that's not who I am, but I'll pretend to be that for you, and you yep. can pay me money to be on SNL. Um, Pete Davidson. When I saw the trailer, when I saw this movie was coming out, I was like, "Oh, it's pretty fascinating." You know, it is pretty shocking. Like, what kind of mental trauma it would have if your if your father or any parent passed away in one of the biggest events in, in our history as a country. Yeah. So I think this role was easier for him, obviously, because he's lived this life story. This is his story, just slightly modified. But there's a difference between um, living a life story and portraying it for an audience. And I thought that in every moment of this film that he was portraying the story and portraying the pain uh, mm. and his um, defense mechanisms really well. So I didn't necessarily see him the comedian in this role, um, though I saw some of that, a little, you know, his his comedic traits and tricks. Yep. But for the most part, I really saw the this this other side of Pete Davidson that we don't see behind the camera at SNL. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a really good point and, and a sharp analysis. I, I mean, for me, I think, you know, choosing Bill Burr was less condemnation on Pete Davidson's performance and more yeah. that I thought Bill Burr was so good. And I know that's not what you're saying, but I'm just like, it probably looks like, you know, this movie is like the Pete Davidson show. So for me to not pick Pete Davidson, you would almost think like, ah, uh, he didn't like the movie, but, or he doesn't know, like Pete Davidson. Or I don't no, like Pete Davidson, but no, I, th I thought all. he was good. I just, you know, yeah, I thought he was good. I will say that these superlatives have been some of the most difficult ones. Very hard. Yeah. Because the, the ensemble as a whole, Knocked it out of the park. Yeah, and it's large. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. it's it's a large group with very different roles in the narrative. So mm -hmm. it is it is tough. So good choice. Um, let's move on to Scene Stealer. I am going with Miss Belle Powley, who played Kelsey, who is sort of Scott, which is Pete Davidson, uh, the love interest. Mm -hmm. She is clearly head over heels for him <laughs> you know you get you you get early on in the movie they grew up together they've known each other since they were 10 she's sending him 
all kinds of signals that she's very, very interested in him. And because he's got some issues with self-esteem and with, with you know, emotional t- trauma and right. anguish, he has a hard time connecting with her. And so their relationship kind of develops, you know, goes forward, goes backwards, goes all around in this movie. But in every scene, she is totally captivating. She has um, great control of her facial expressions yes. to tell to tell the story and to really just sell her line. She's very funny. She's got great comedic timing. Um, I was blown away with blown away by her throughout. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it was it was a character that like when you first see her, you're like, this is going to be a nothing character, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she like keeps coming back, keeps coming back, and you're like, man, she's awesome. So yeah. that that's I had to pick her. She was great. It's kind of like what Melissa Benoist did in um, uh, is it Whiplash? Whiplash, yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's like this should be a throwaway character, uh, just there, just to just to benefit the the main character. But yeah. no, it, it's very very compelling. And she got and Melissa Benoist got top billing on right. that film, right? And she yeah, was because, barely in it. <laughs> yeah, she's barely in it. But those scenes, and I watched this movie the other day. Those scenes are just like you cannot look away. The yeah. chemistry is just undeniable, and she's so good. And that's how Belle Pally is in, is in this as well. And that's why I also picked her for my scene stealer. All right. Um, if you've seen Apple TV Plus, which maybe you haven't, because Apple TV Plus is kind of a disaster. Yeah, it's a fart. <laughs> big fart noise. <laughs> um, so we we dogged on morning show, but then I I kind of backtracked and said I watched the rest of it. Dude, she is the heart of that show, despite what anyone thinks. I mean, Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston do a great job. They do their job. But she is the heart of that show. She makes that show what it is. She has such uh, fantastic natural abilities. Like, like Just like you said, where where it seems like nothing is going on. there are, She is doing acting gymnastics in her face in, the, in subtle ways, but just conveying the whole story where she's putting all the pieces together for every single audience member. So... I love her. I think she is going to be a, a powerhouse. I think we'll Agreed. see her win Best Actress in the very near future. Wow. Not, that could be. Not could necessarily be. from this film. This isn't the film that would win Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But she she is definitely going to explode. She's basically like kind of ramping herself up in a Jennifer Lawrence kind of way. Yeah. And I think it's going to be really easy for her to take on a, a, on a complete leading role and just dominate. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's it's crazy when you start to think of how many great up and coming female actors there are out there. I mean, they're gonna own this biz yep. in no time. And she I hope you're right, man. I hope that she I hope that she gets the attention that she deserves and gets the roles that she deserves because I I agree. I mean, I think she's very, very good. So we shall see. All right. Sorry, flipping back to my notes. We're gonna go with Showstopper. My showstopper was the characters. It was the char- <laughs> the characters in this film. Um, not necessarily the casting, though. The casting was great. It was eclectic. Um, Marissa Tomei, who uh, you know was playing a mom, but was playing a very different kind of mom. She didn't even look like herself. Um, yes. Which most, most, I mean, I wouldn't say that Marissa Tomei often gets cast for her looks, but she gets whenever she is cast, they use her looks a lot of times to be like the hot mom or whatever. Right. Um, and so I thought this was. Hopefully, I hopefully this was a little bit freeing for her to be a different kind of mom, to be one that's really deep and, and layered and multidimensional. But that's every character, you know. Even the characters you think are throwaway, one-off, one-dimensional characters, they're not. None of them are. None of them are one one-dimensional. And this is really Judd Apatow does a great job of this. I mean, if you've seen um, any of his films, but Trainwreck is a great example. Which I mean, 
I don't think Trainwreck's like the best movie, but people talk about LeBron James's performance in that movie. It's because they wrote him a great character, and every side character in Judd Apatow movies is really fun and really rich, and you can you can fall in love with just that character. So right. I thought casting was spot on. I thought character development was spot on, and the writing, the actual um, dialogue between characters was excellent that's so good i wonder if it's if it's within the writing or the direction a lot of times he writes and directs judd apatow so right when he's i would love to be in the room when he's when he's uh, creating these characters with the actors if he's saying hey here are the six traits of your character it, we're going to inject it throughout the film do do what you want with that or if he or if he says hey come up with a character from real life and here are some bullet points uh, whichever way it goes it's always fascinating um, I, I basically picked the same thing I said the unified ensemble um, how quirky each of one of them were I often find like in times of like team building and stuff you're all you're always ending up doing like two truths and a lie and you find yeah. out things that you never would have expected someone to have ever been a part of or an activity activity that they've done or I should have been arrested for this but I wasn't <laughs> you know those sorts of things and that's that's kind of how these little character traits bubble up in here and the ensemble is incredible. So I, I echo everything you said. Yeah. It's Judd Apatow. You know, people are, people are saying, you know, in the limited, like the tweets and stuff that I've read, I saw people saying like, this is Judd Apatow's best picture in a long time and all this stuff. I'm like, I kind of get the vibe that Judd Apatow does better with this kind of project yeah. rather than like the big money, you know, studio heads coming and being like, make us a great, hilarious movie. He does better when, like, the project is personal. It's like a passion project. It's something that, you know, he just really cares about and maybe mm -hmm. is a little slightly like a smaller budget, something a little more gritty. He does better with that. And I thought this was right in his wheelhouse. Yes. Okay. Director Shoes. So now I'm going to be a little bit harsh on Judd, Judd Apatow. Burn. I just think, so this movie was too long. That's that's a given, right? I mean, can we agree on that? Do you agree Do you agree with that? I don't agree with that. Okay, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, but I can that see. That backfired. <laughs> <laughs> but I can, but we, so we agree so much that I, I have to say I, I disagree at this point no matter what. So. No, that's all right. That's all right. So I would say this movie is too long right out of the gate. There's just too, I Almost no matter where this plot was going, it was too long for me. I was just like, okay, <laughs> we got it. it. You did a good you did a good job. You you got a great plot here. Please let's move. This is <laughs> you're you're being a little self-indulgent. Um and so there was a little bit too much of that for me, and I just felt like I really expected to be deeply moved by this movie. And at the beginning I was. You know, at the beginning there were some very human moments and things like that, but it never got to I mean, it never got to, like, goosebumps, tears, any of that for me at any point. And these indie films, are I'm usually a sucker for them, mm -hmm. and, and they get me every time. But no, not this time. And I think just, like, probably because I didn't think there was much going on thematically in this movie. It was really more of a true portrait pick, and that's okay. I mean, there doesn't have to be deep themes. Um, but I just really wanted there to be more of an emotional impact, and I didn't didn't get there. And I would say, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I really think that there are some things that could have been done to to help with that. I don't really, I'm trying my best not to spoil it here, but like, mm -hmm. like Pete Davidson's character, I feel like a lot of this is like Pete Davidson's character being told to like grow up yeah, and, and be a man. Like a sure. lot, especially in the early going, like 
come on, get going, be man. I'm like, dude, this guy is mentally ill. He has, he has probably, he needs help. Yeah. You know, like he, he needs help because he's been through some stuff. And so I was, I was wanting that to be part of it and it wasn't really. So I don't know. I, I just feel like there was a message to, there was, there were messages there that like weren't ever fully uncovered or explored. And so I was like, that's kind of weird. And so yeah. I think that's why it didn't really get emotional for me. Yeah. It was like, um, I don't know what the opposite of Chekhov's gun is. Right. But this is what that would be. It's, yeah, it's like, like, Hey, that seems like something there. <laughs> and then it's like, Oh, maybe they're going to do it. Oh, okay. Well, the movie's over. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then you're like, okay, all right. Well, I mean, take that as it was. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say that's funny that we disagreed on, on this part. I, now, have you seen Funny People? It was also Judd Apatow. Yes. Okay. I loathed Funny People. I did not like it. I did not like it at all. I feel like this is his, his apology <laughs> for Funny People because yes. it follows a similar pattern. We know that Pete Davidson is a, is a comedian. He's not one in the film. He's just a mm-hmm. kid who's 24 who lost his dad when he was seven. He's trying to cope with all of this, right? So in Funny People, we have Adam Sandler, who is a washed up comedian, just like using drugs and uh, other horrible things uh, in his life to um, just survive and just to dole the pain that he's feeling. And you have Seth Rogen, who comes in as this up and coming comedian, and he's trying to, you know, he's this is his idol. Yep. This film felt like that, but better. And I feel like maybe they dove too deep into those those themes and Uh. messages. Maybe that's why he backed (laughs) off on this one. That's funny. But not necessarily. I I I I fully agree with you. There are some there are some missed opportunities with his with Pete Davidson's mental illness that they should have absolutely explored. We should have. I'll spoil this. We should have been in a therapist office at some point during this film. We we absolutely should have. It could have been um, very heartbreaking and also hilarious. Like they could have easily done that with with this character. So um, yeah, I think that. The something about this because it felt like that to me uh, like a better version of funny people i really don't don't have too much to correct um i thought yeah, the timing I, I thought the timing worked well for me but i could i could see i did think that during the movie i was like is this too long uh not for me but i wonder if it is for someone else that's funny that it's you yeah yeah definitely me i was like i mean it was late too i was like hey, come on man i've it's, already watched a two and a half hour movie today it's 3 a.m i gotta go to bed yeah it's like yeah when there's like a, a college party scene i'm like okay <laughs> you know i'm like we didn't need this I, i'm i i get why it's here but come on judd let's go um, okay, so that that's uh, director shoes. We'll we'll wrap it up in score. I'll I'll tell you, I'm pretty middle of the road on this movie. I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great. Um, would I watch it again? Sure. Um, it made me laugh. There were some really funny points. Yes. It did not make me cry, which I was really hankering for. I thought this movie should have. Um, uh, it 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 was it was moving in some way, and the plot was good. It just it wasn't as moving as it should have been. So I would say for me, it's a 7.0 out of 10. I think it's solid, um, but I won't go much higher than that. Wonderful. I thought this is like the perfect movie to show your friends in college, like on a weekend. Sure. Um, or pff, any, any night of the week, let's be honest. In college, it's like, hey, let's uh, let's go watch a movie in the uh, community center, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's what I felt like this. It has definite um, high watchability rate. You could watch this over and over. It could be on in the background. And you can catch those laughs and you can catch like those poignant moments. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this film. 
Um, I don't know that it will get any kind of Oscar buzz. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But we're going to go, for me, an an 8.5 kernels. All right. Sounds good. So, yeah, that is double review, The Five Bloods and King of Staten Island. The Five Bloods is available to watch on Netflix. So if you heard our thoughts on that movie and you're like, oh, that sounds like something I want to check out. Um, viewer discretion is advised on that guy. Just not one to watch with your um, children. Yeah, with your children, um, with anybody who with hates a- horrific <laughs> violence or, yeah, things like that. <laughs> there, there is war violence in this film. Yeah, and, and, and actually something I didn't bring up. It's a Tarantino-esque movie. Like yes. It actually feels very Tarantino. Um, so if you don't like those things... Let's find another movie. Go watch The King of Staten Island. Go watch The King of Staten Island. It'll cost you $19.99, but again, we did the math earlier. $1,000 versus $20. It's a good deal. Uh, So both of those are available to watch from your couch, and uh, yeah, we would recommend that you do so. Okay, time to move on to Schoolyard Pick, which in honor of The King of Staten Island is Schoolyard Pick of Things You Could Be Declared the King of. I love it so much. (laughs) And this is going to be very interesting. I've got a list here um, that really runs quite a range. So I don't even know where I'm going to begin, but it's actually your turn to kick off Schoolyard Pick. Perfect. I'm declaring myself the king of random actor knowledge. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's very true. Um, For some reason in my life, I've just, every night I find myself on imdb.com, uh, was one of the greatest inventions of my life sure. uh, that I didn't create, but it sounded like I was like, yeah, I, I made that. Um, it, I, I just would always, I will always just go and go on a rabbit hole dive into this actor and that actor and what film did they want, they, were they in together and trivia about them and a hundred other people. Like I could tell you the six degrees of Kevin Bacon for like any actor. So yeah, don't, don't challenge me right now, please. But anyways, I, I like to know, I like to know what they're in so I can talk about them and be like, oh yeah, they were in this. It's just exciting for me. Yeah. It's pretty ridiculous. You do this on this show pretty often. I don't think people realize it because they probably assume that you have it pulled up or you have notes or something, but I can't even tell you how many times that you're, I'm like, oh yeah, it's this guy. And you're like, yeah, he was in this and this and this and this and this. And he, you know, he's related to it. I'm like, what? I'm like, where do you have that written? It's nowhere. It's just in your brain. So yes, it's pretty awesome. Comes in handy for this show. Um, it'll probably come in handy to whip my tail and cinephile when we do six degrees sometimes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so you have that, but yeah, that's definitely a good one for you. All right. What do you got? Oh, do you I don't got? know which one to go first. What are you the king of Cameron? I would say that I am the king of turning off all the lights in the house. <laughs> I am. Yes, I am that dad. Uh, and my wife is that wife who leaves every light on all the time with no regard. I could easily be saying like all the dad jokes like, what do you have stock in the electric company? <laughs> or what are we paying to air condition the outdoor? You know, things like that. I yes. don't thank God. Not yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just like instinctively walking around, just nailing lights, just <laughs> pew, 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 <laughs> flipping switches all day long. I was like, I'll just like, no, I can feel it almost like sitting at my desk in the lost space. <laughs> and I'm like, I think the lights Marshall's room is on. I walk over there. I'm like, yep. Boom. Turn that off. Nobody's in there. I'm like, turn all the lights off. It's daytime. Open the windows. Let's go. Yeah. Um, it's totally dumb. I'm pretty sure electricity counts for like, or like lights being on accounts for like the smallest fraction of your electricity bill and has way more to do with like heating and cooling and your washing machine and stuff like that. But yeah. screw it to me. I have to have all the lights organized in 
in such a way. Yeah. So now is yours more? Are you thinking uh, financially, like, or are you thinking they don't need to be on? Or it's th- totally that environmentally I, or just I wish <laughs> lights off. <laughs> I really wish that there was some sort of like moral reason behind <laughs> it, but it's really just like utility, like. Yeah. This is not supposed to be on. It doesn't need to be on. Nobody's in here. Boom. Off. Right. That's all I think about. I'm just like, this does not need to be on. Why is this on? Boom. I love that. I like to just be in the dark. So oftentimes I will turn the lights off so I can just be in the dark. I do that too. Sometimes Jackie will like, so I've been working from home for the last few months. Right. And so I either work at my desk or work from the couch if I'm like feeling that vibe. Uh-huh. And sometimes Jackie will be like, upstairs and come down it's like pitch black she's like how are you working this is insane open some windows but listen yeah. lights off is sometimes the most productive work you it's, can sometimes do. it is sometimes it is so king of turning off all the lights <laughs> <laughs> all right what's your second pick i'm going to go with the king of golden oreo cookies consumption oh that's for sure <laughs> that is that is undisputable <laughs> uh during our our golden golden globes uh episode episode i guess we just kind of tweeted about it i don't know but we yeah we tweet we live tweeted <laughs> we live tweeted and streamed a little bit you know we got like two thousand hits on uh, Jason Momoa that that's night true. that's true right. yeah that's right uh, so for whatever reason every time we got uh, a category wrong we had to eat a golden Oreo right oh my gosh <laughs> a yes. double stuffed golden Oreo and I ate. I believe somewhere around somewhere between twenty one and twenty six golden Oreos I think it, no it was twenty six twenty six yeah in a three hour span it was inhuman it was like watching michael phelps it's like <laughs> what is happening i for the record had to eat this i was supposed to eat a similar amount i tapped out after eight yes i was like i am dead i will puke i can't even look at another golden oreo <laughs> and kirk's just hammering him down it was insane yes so that's my that's my claim to fame right there wow i, I can eat that many cookies yeah you're the indisputed champ there that's uh <laughs> that was that was quite a performance thank you all right my second pick I'm going to go with, I could be the king of pumping gas <laughs> in your car. So here, here's the thing. My dad is like the chief lord of pumping gas because he used to work at a full service gas station. Yes. And so growing up, like when we went to get gas, we stayed in the car. My dad's out there doing, you know, he's like a NASCAR pit crew. He's filling the gas. He's washing the window. He's throwing the trash away. He's drying the window off. The whole thing. Yep. I'm like, this is insane. This is like a full day's work, and he's doing it in 30 seconds. This is nuts. <laughs> um, and so I've picked up a lot of those same traits. I mean, when we stopped for gas, I sort of instinctively just like go out there, flip the little thing, grab the wand, scrub it off, like get it all taken care of, make sure everybody's sorted, you need any snacks, what you got. Like <laughs> I, I've got it under control. So nice. I would say that um, as far – I could have called myself the, the, the king of road trip pilots because mm. as far as a road trip captain, driver – I think it's tough to find one better than me. I, I don't fall asleep. I can go 10 hours, 12 hours, any length of time. I'm going to fill up the gas every time. I'm going to mm-hmm. go in and get snacks for people every time. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, those are two of my big traits. So that's kind of a two-for-one deal. That's that's endearing and honorable and Thank you. remarkable. Thank you, sir. Quite honestly. Thank you. <laughs> Mine's going to be the king of organization. Oh, yes. I love that's to a good one. organize. Um, we moved into this this house that we're 
recording out of uh, in September of last year, I want to say, and I went to work. Um, there were so many boxes that needed unpacked. I, I, I just, I did it all. I did it all. Um, oftentimes, up until 3 a.m., I would put on a movie on my iPad, and I would just organize and organize and organize. Yeah. Aubrey found, this is great, she found like, um, what's that website, 22 words or less, uh, something like that. Yeah. Where they're like, hey, look at all these nifty uh, Amazon products. And she found it the other day and she said, hey, listen, I'm going to show you this list. And I, I dare you not to buy all these items. They were all organizational items. And I'm like, ooh, something for the kitchen, something for the bathroom, <laughs> something for the basement. It's like, I love little nicks and crafts and tools that will help me organize and put things where they need to go. I love it. Yeah, it's good. It's it's um it helps you feel control over your environment. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It helps me um, declutter. Like I can't, sometimes I can't think unless sure. everything's in its right place. No, I got you. I mean, things can be messy. Things get messy, but man, do I love things that have a place to go to at some point, right? Yes. Like the kids will destroy the house all, all week. And then it's like, Hey, let's put those things where they go. Right. And it's really exciting. Yes. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. I, we, I think we could all use a king of organization in our lives. Um, okay, my number three, I'm going to go with the king of Minesweeper. Remember Minesweeper, Kirk? <laughs> I do, yes. I am. Uh, I may or may not still play Minesweeper on a pretty frequent basis <laughs> on my phone. Um, I'm incredibly good at it. I would say, like, I've watched videos of people who can, like, beat it in 10 seconds or something like that, and it's just dumb. It's like people who play it all the time but i feel like as far as amateur minesweepers go uh-huh. um i'm up there i mean i do 99 mines every time do the full wow. deal i i knock it out my record's like 156 <laughs> seconds or something like oh that so I, I can really hum through it um i know all of the different combinations and so i rarely uh, i mean you get stuck in situations where you have to guess sometimes a minesweeper it's it's the nature of the game kirk <laughs> sometimes you have to guess and sometimes you get burnt um, but I mean, as far as like, if I get a number, I know all the potential possibilities that could be and what the probability of those things uh-huh. are. And it just sort of like, I've played so much Minesweeper that I don't even think about it. Like I just see numbers and I go, which <laughs> I don't know. It's totally useless, but it's <laughs> really fun. You're like John Nash in a beautiful mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only way dumber. So <laughs> it's like, it is the most mindless game in the world. Like mm-hmm. once you learn it. It is the best game to play while you watch something on TV. Like those yeah. games where you just shut your brain off and you're like detoxing from your day. Minesweeper is awesome. Mm-hmm. It's it's awesome for that reason. I um, anytime I play any and I often play on easy difficulty. Uh, the moment I press any button, it's a bomb. I die. <laughs> yeah, Jackie's like, how do you go so fast? I'm like. Jackie, Jackie, Jackie. <laughs> you have so much to learn. I always bomb out on the first attempt. <laughs> I could teach you my ways, but I won't. Because I am the king of Minesweeper, and I jealously guard my skills. I shall usurp you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, number four thing you could be declared the king of. All right. Prepare yourself. I am bracing myself. <clears throat> I am the king of mouth trumpeting. I'm sorry, what? Yes, I am the king of mouth trumpeting. Oh, I know what this is. You do this all the time. I do. You know, some people can sing. Some people can play a trumpet. I play Whistle? A, or Yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> I, uh, I trumpet with my mouth. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll give a little taste. Um, 
you know, I often do it um, in the cold opens. I'm often undertoning uh, that as the musical musicality behind your your beautiful. That's tones. true. That's right. You're you're like the Chuck Mangione uh, <laughs> if he didn't have a trumpet. Yes. So is that the right person? I, I th- it sounded. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to find out that that's like somebody totally different. We all know who I'm talking about. The guy with like the, the like shoulder length hair mm-hmm. who plays the, the thing. It's like cornet or something. Yes. I don't know. Next week on Corrections Corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We always talked about having um, Ryan uh, be a producer who's with us while we record so that at the end of every episode, he could be like, here's everything you screwed up. Or at the beginning of next episode, it could be like, here's everything you said that was completely wrong. And yes. here's what the right thing is. Cause we do it so often. It's stupid. Um, I, that's I think a good we one. should make that happen. Ryan, if you're listening, yes, please um, start for next week. Thanks. Yeah, let's do it. Um, okay. My number four. Ooh, this is tough. This is tough. Um, I'm going to say that I'm the, I, I could be declared the king of arguing about things that no one cares about. <laughs> yes. I, <laughs> I, if I'm in the mood for it, I, I'm not like somebody who just like goes around and picks out fights. Like I definitely don't. And I think there was a time in my life where I was more opinionated than I am now for sure. Like I think I've reined it in, but I am the ultimate devil's advocate. And if I am in that mood to like have a debate about something, I'm going to go for it. Yep. And I I will not relent. <laughs> I will go. And my poor wife, she's like, do you even remember what we're talking about? That you're, Do you even remember what you're still fighting for? I'm like, I don't know. I'm sure it's really stupid. I, I don't know. I don't even care. Like, I don't even want to win. I just... I'm just going to keep I'm just going to keep arguing because I can keep coming up with stupid crap to say. I don't know. It is so ridiculous. I've been doing it for as long as I can remember. I'm sure people hate me for it. No. Um, but yeah, I, I can definitely do that. And you're good at it. That's the bottom line. Uh, as early as this weekend, I took you on and I, I lost. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> so you don't even remember? No, I don't. I do because I was like, all right, yeah, he won. He won again. <laughs> it, was, it was a debate if Cars won from the from Disney Pixar. Oh. <laughs> should be high up on, on a, the Pixar bracket. And... <laughs> I said to you, you were comparing it that it's it's an exact uh, rip off of rip off of Doc Holiday, and I'm like, yes. have you seen Doc Holiday? And you said, yes, I have. And you explained <laughs> the entire plot without referencing anything. And I was like, all right, yeah, it's one of those things. It's just like, what? Why do I care? I don't. I actually don't care. It's just fun. I just yeah. like to do it, and it's super obnoxious, but I do it all the time. It cracked me up. All right, last one. Don't waste it. This one. This one, uh, just uh, prepare yourself again. Um, I'm going to declare myself as the king of inside throat talking. I'm sorry, what? Yes. Inside throat talking. Yes. There there might be a better name for that, but that's I don't even know what this is. Okay, I don't know if the mic will pick this up, but you can probably hear it really easy outside of it. But it's when when you talk, but... Don't use the outside of your voice. You're, it's kind of like... Oh, it's ventriloquy. Kind of like ventriloquy, but you absolutely know that I'm doing it. <laughs> it looks ridiculous. Okay. Like, I'm not throwing my voice. I'm just talking inside of my mouth with puffed cheeks. Gotcha. And I'm the king, I'm the king of this. Okay. I, I declare. I do declare. Okay, well, I... Do you want a little sample? Yes, I do. Okay. I've never um, seen this so. before. <clears throat> Somebody hit you! Somebody hit you and trapped and 
Yeah, I mean, I can mostly understand that. And it's disturbing because you're acting like you're a small person trapped in someone's mouth. Right? It's like, honey, I shrunk the kids and they accidentally did eat them in the cereal bowl bite. Right? Yes. And <laughs> random reference. <laughs> sure. And following. They're holding on to uh, uh, the, the uvula and they're like saying, hey, get me out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. That was <laughs> wow. And Yes. That's that's my other great one of my job. five thrones. <laughs> Such a great skill. I mean, endless applications, really. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think there's zero applications zero. for that. Um, great. So I, I probably, I mean, I have a full list of things that are really stupid. Maybe not as stupid as that. <laughs> can you tap it? <laughs> I don't. I don't know that I can. I wish I could. Okay, I get to give honorable mentions, so I'll, I'll save some of these. Which one do I want to talk about? I would say that I am probably the king of, uh, let's go with hugs. This is probably Aww. on the exact the exact opposite end of the spectrum as my last one, being overly argumentative <laughs> for no reason. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I give good hugs. I'm a big guy. I'm a, I'm a hugger. I come from a family of huggers, mm-hmm. and so it's uh, it's sort of a instinctual or it's a trait that I've learned. It's sort of tribal knowledge. My family has taught me how to hug from a very young age. Mm -hmm. And I think that in times of comfort, I can be a good hugger. So yeah, it's uh, you grew up in the full house house. That's right. I did. So yeah, my family is like super close and very lovey. And yeah, it's, it's except your mother is alive in this scenario. Let's be clear. True. (laughs) That is true. And yeah, my dad is not Bob Saget, but it's, yeah. It's similar. I'm trying to think which uncle would be Jesse. Uh, oh, my uncle Kevin is uncle Jesse for that's sure. True. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah, I mean, he just, he he cuz he's like he was my youngest uncle. Yep. And he was Your youngest uncle is always the coolest uncle by default right. whenever you're growing up because they're like closest to your age. Right. And like my uncle Kevin would come over and play video games. I mean, it was like, yeah, of course. So he's my uncle Jesse for sure. Very nice. But I have a I have a great set of uncles, so mm-hmm. there's really any any one of them could be Uncle and, Jesse on a given day. And Uncle Joey. Yep. <laughs> but not Bob Saget. <laughs> Never Bob Saget. <laughs> All right. Um, is that everything? That's everything we've done. Do you have any honorable mentions? No, I I, I don't have any other titles. Okay, I've got some weird ones. Um, I could be the king of frozen pizza. Okay. I could be the king of leaving my socks in strange places around the house. Ooh. Um, man, my wife is punching the air right now. She's like, <laughs> dang it. I don't know why I do it. I just like, I weirdly like got this thing where I don't like to wear socks. Yeah. And so when I take my shoes off, I sit down on the couch, like I peel my socks off sure. and they're just there. Sure. And it's maddening. And I can see why that would be, but I, I'm the one doing it. So it doesn't madden me. I'm just nope. like, what else? Um, uh, gift giving. I could be the 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 oh. declare the king of gift giving. Andy Caps hot fries. I could be the king of Andy Caps <laughs> hot fries. I could be the king of breaking down boxes, and I could be the king of being able to talk to people about their weird interests. Yeah, like all of mine. Like I talk. I oftentimes will get in a situation at like a family gathering or like a party where somebody's like, "Hey, you ever you into?" Uh, Collecting toenails? Yeah. Are you are you int- interested in Japanese anime? And I'm oh. like, I have a like, I have 
I am an expert on nothing, but I have base level knowledge of many things yes. because I scroll the internet all the time. And so I have the this innate ability to be able to carry on a conversation with just about anything, <laughs> just about anyone on any topic. So mm-hmm. um, it's a blessing and a curse, I will say. Will you, will you wear many crowns? That's right. Well, well, for sure. Or Bravo. at least like those court jester hats that has, the, you know, like the bells on them and, and things like that. They each have a tiny crown on each little <laughs> four stems of them. Right. Um, all right. So that was the schoolyard pick of things you could be declared the king of. That was a super fun one. If you guys have any ideas of things you could be declared the king or queen of or like archduke or duchess or whatever title you want to give yourself. I don't know. Let's get weird. Um, hit us up. On social, we've been having tons of fun on social media lately. We've been having tons of fun on the revamped popcornforbreakfast.com. We took some time to really make sure all of our content's getting on there. So the best way to think about something is if you've seen us post about something or you heard about something on the podcast, just go to that website, popcornthenumber4breakfast.com. It's all there. Every bracket we've created, every Mm -hmm. video we've made live streams, blog posts, podcast episodes, all of them are there. You can find us, you can find all of our social media pages there. Like seriously, everything you need, popcornforbreakfast.com. So if it has, if it has something to do with movies, we've done something with it. Um, so definitely go to that website. We got the 52 week movie challenge. We talked about it earlier. We're in week three, which is Rocky. So watch Rocky this week and then check on popcorn for breakfast like Saturday, Sunday, Monday region. It's supposed to come out on Sundays, but <laughs> let's be honest. Sometimes I procrastinate. Yeah, um, so just check for that. And then Kirk, you have something coming up. I do. Do you want to talk about James Blonde? Yes, James Blonde is it's brilliant. I coming, saw it. I was like, this is so good. Coming to uh, to a YouTube channel near you soon. Ooh, yes. video be, series. That'll be dropping on our, on our YouTube, shared on all of our socials. Yes. So prepare yourselves for That's it. That's right. Blonde. James Blonde. That's so good. That's so good. <laughs> I can't wait. So yeah, if you guys want to support this podcast, I mean, you already are. You're listening, downloading. Um, you know, if you want to share a post, we would be greatly appreciated. Follow us on, or subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We very, very much appreciate the support. And with that, I want to give a special thanks to Ryan Spriggs as our producer and a very special thanks to Ryan Spriggs and Brandon Aristed for our awesome theme music. And we will see you all next week. Talk to you then. <laughs>